This is episode number 204, The Power of Your Story, with Christopher Rivas. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lokid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Odds podcast. Before we get into today's guest and the topic, which is the power of your story that I wanted to get into, I wanted to first invite all of our listeners that have been choosing to join this show for the past two to maybe even two and a half years. And that is to a conversation that we started every single Saturday called Courageous Conversations, where we pick a topic at hand and then we have a one hour conversation through which we're able to shift our own perspectives by listening to other people. The other thing that I wanted to mention is this. If you've enjoyed any of the previous episodes, or if this is your first time tuning in, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Now, let's get back to the show. Chris, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for being a part of it. And thank you for taking the time to connect with me outside of the show and give me a chance to learn more about who you are and the different things that you're trying to do and the type of impact that you're trying to make in this world. That's my honor. I'm excited. Yeah. So I know that the topic that you and I chose prior to the show was around this concept of (laughs) disability. Mm -hmm. And in particular, I think that the story that the topic itself carries and having done the work that you do and continue to do in this world, I'm really curious about this from multiple perspectives and and here's the story and here's the reason why. Sure. When I first heard of this topic, so a having been born in Russia and kind of been diagnosed with different forms of disability, you know, disabilities like myself, um, I realized that oftentimes, and after having had how many conversations by now, Oftentimes, there's this focus on the first portion of the word, the dis, mm, mm. you know, and then and I think there's a story that also gets created from that. Mm-hmm. But what I've realized over time was that based on who it is that I'm speaking with, that some of those people have actually developed exceptional abilities due to those circumstances or due to what is perceived to be a disability mm-hmm. in one area. And so I'm curious to hear, and maybe this is the best way that we can kick off this conversation. When you even think of the word disability, what does that even mean to you? Yeah, it's a great topic. Um, I don't even use that word much anymore unless uh, I need to in like a legal setting or I'm saying, hey, this is this kiddo is in a federally protected, has a federally protected disability. I mean, that's really only time I use it much anymore is for, um, you know, projection or validating that the person's getting the rights and the services they should. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting, maybe, you know, a few years ago before I got deeper into this, or, you know, my son was diagnosed with, with autism and ADHD, I didn't use it as much. Um, 
you know, in the work I do, we look at it as we all have skill gaps, right? We, our brains are all born a certain way. We have certain uh, abilities to adopt to circumstances or not, neurotypical or not. And so it's way more about that than putting a big label on they have a disability, therefore they're not capable, right? That's, a, mm -hmm. I think, a really dangerous mindset. And it's one that that's propagated, you know, um, growing up those kids, right. were put somewhere different mm -hmm. and the one could make an assumption. I'm not saying it's healthy, but one can make an assumption that they're not able. Um, and, and maybe they have challenges. Maybe they need some skills build up, but um, like, you know, we we're talking about earlier, the flip is also really interesting and happy to get into this in some, some depth. Um, sure. They have more abilities, right? Um, okay to talk about that or did you want to go? Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, one thing, just real quick, um, our brains, all of our senses, see, feel, hear, touch, all route through the base of our brain and go to through our reticular activating system. I'm not going to go too deep in here, but just think of it as like a giant Google filter. So if, if you or I walked into a coffee shop post-COVID or pre-COVID, um, it's loud, right? There's espresso machines, there's music, there's conversation, there's a lot going on in our coffee shops. And we're able to filter out that stuff, right? It doesn't all hit us at once or otherwise we'd be panicked. Um, some kids on the spectrum and other types of neurodivergence would take all of that in at once. Their, their RAS is not filtering that out. Now there's, there's two ways to look at that. One is you certainly wanna build that up so the kiddo can cope, but you could also make the argument that that kid is actually receiving more of what's really going on than we are, right? Our brains are filtering out like a yeah. really limited thing and they're actually taking it all in. And it's interesting to consider, uh, yes, you don't wanna do that, right? It would be maddening for all of us if we had to do that, but their brains are really taking in the full experience and um, you or I, if we're filtering it, are taking in this much. So um, we may well be the ones that aren't as able, right, in terms of our sensory perception of what's going on. And, um, you know, those kids struggle because they're taking in everything. Um, and so they need some help building that up and knowing how to focus. But um, they're no less able and they may well take in some subtleties that people miss. Mm -hmm. Right. And sometimes those subtleties are all the difference. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so, it's, it, Yeah. And I was going to say, that's one of the things that I've actually learned throughout my conversations that I've had with people who are either like legally blind at a certain point of their lives is that one of the things that they've shared with me is that because they no longer have to use the same energy to right. be able to put into like trying to see, right? they actually put that time and energy into some of the other senses right. through which they're able to experience so much more. Yeah. And it kind of makes sense because, you know, we think about it from our perspective, like our energy is being split among so many different areas versus if you don't have, if you no longer have one of the areas in the same exact way or form, then it has to go elsewhere. Right. No, it's exactly right. What's, what's really cool about that too, the going back to the science a little bit. Uh, in our brains, we have, you know, roughly 10 billion, give or take neurons and, and 100 trillion connections. Wow. And what happens there is you're literally lighting up connections. Let's call them dark. I'm oversimplifying it. But it's it's literally you're lighting up a different fabric in your brain and creating different pathways to get to your prefrontal cortex, which is where I call it the magic happens, right? The the problem solving, the creativity, whether you're right or left brained. Um, that's a really awesome place to be. 
Mm -hmm. Right. And when we struggle or we're stressed, um, we're not there. We're in fight or flight. We're in a different part of our brain. But, yeah, if if you have uh, and again, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but my assumption would be someone who is blind or other sensory challenges, they'll build up that neural fabric. Right. And it'll be super rich and powerful and um, probably using more of their brain. Right. If you're looking at PET scans or CAT scans. Did you find yourself just based on your own personal experience and the work that you've done? with um your son and his experience like did that create a greater sense of purpose for you because it was a personal connection compared to like what you might have been following prior to all of this oh yeah for sure i mean it's um i think like anything if i see something on tv or radio or podcast you know i'll have some empathy for it but it's when it's really in our own backyards just human Mm -hmm. nature like oh that's different right and becomes a cause so absolutely, um, you know, it's uh, it's a really hard thing as a parent. All parents care for their kiddos and we want the best for them. And it's like, well, what do you do? What actions do you take? How do you do things differently? And especially on the, um, on the neurodivergent scales, you know, whatever words we're going to use to describe autism, ADHD, depression, anxiety, um, there's not a lot out there with certainty. And you get a lot of information from well-intentioned people that, you know, do this or do that, or try this pill or try this therapy or try this med. And it's, um, it's overwhelming, right? Um, at the same time, your kiddo is struggling and that can look like them yelling at you or calling you names or screaming or getting kicked out of things, which is difficult, right? Um, let's not pretend that's not really disruptive. And so, um, yeah, I, in finding the program I did through this Harvard based program, that's all brain science based and using it on my son, um, albeit very, skeptical at first having tried everything um and then seeing the result i'm like whoa this is incredibly powerful and and seeing the miracle for him which we can talk about in a sec but i mean truly miracles things that experts can't explain and then i i worked with a couple friends and they had the exact same result i'm like okay (laughs) i have to share this right because it's working and then i've shared it with a few clients i've just spun up my org and doing that and they also have the same thing. Their kiddos happen to have ADHD, but like the exact same pattern. And and the program's vetted. Um, Harvard's done this for decades, served 250,000 families. But, you know, to your point, when it's you and your family and it really works, mm-hmm. um, uh, of course, that's poignant. And then seeing that work with others, I'm like, I- I've got to get this out there, right? This this has to be what I'm about and how I serve this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's amazing. I mean, it's incredibly difficult being one of these parents. I'll just be a little selfish from the parents' perspective. It's difficult for the kid too, but um, you know, it's exhausting. You get these phone calls, like come pick up your kid. He can't be at this camp or the school or whatever anymore. Um, Financially it's straining. Um, The, the outbursts can seem random at first. There don't seem like cause effect. Like why is, is my kiddo bolting when I go to Home Depot or, you know, why is the color blue freaking them out? I mean, just things like that. And I don't mean to be judgmental, but that's that's what goes through a parent's brain. And then we learn about what that's about and then learn to be empathetic with the kiddo, still express your parent concern, right? We have norms and, and things to perform well in society, but then have the kiddo solve the problem. Um, these kiddos have amazing brains. I mean, their creativity is off the charts, um, right? And so the things they come up with are amazing. And then they, they act on them and you see the results. It's, it's, yeah, I can't say enough. It could be on for hours, <laughs> but 
it's uh, yeah, once it's personal and then you find it working for others, because I could be an end of one. Yeah. Um, then I just knew I had to get it out there and, and share more and more. How do you explain this to your kid? To my son. Um, story that you tell around him, around autism or whichever way you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, I do it less than before. Um, but I, I just explain that everyone is born a little differently. And I explain that, that he can't totally help some of his behaviors. It doesn't mean he's not accountable for his actions in life and all that, but he's got a brain that doesn't know how to handle some of these things. Um, and we, and we work in coping stuff and some of that traditional stuff as well, squeeze balls and all that. Um, and he's able to be now, you know, after several years, more self-aware of that and can kind of interrupt the pattern before it happens. But um, yeah, he knows very well about it. He's a big reader. So I've let him read things about it. And as he solved his problems through the, the process I do with him, um, his resilience has gone up too. So there's less outbursts. There's less of those getting into such a heightened state where it's fight, flight, or freeze. Um, but yeah, it's, I think just being honest and straight up, I mean, age appropriate, you don't want to freak your kid out, but, and let them ask questions and let them know they're loved and great, right? Just like any other kiddo. That's not really mm -hmm. any different. Mm -hmm. I can relate to so much of the, I mean, everything that you just shared, because like when I was younger, one of the things my parents and I will laugh about it now, it wasn't so funny back then, but when I came to this country and I couldn't speak English well, actually to begin yeah. with, I couldn't speak English at all. I experienced the same exact thing. Mm. <laughs> I was also a teenage boy. Yeah. Make matters even more complicated. A tough age. Yeah. So I was forming my identity. Everything was hitting me at the same exact time. And so many of the things where I had to express certain things, it just weren't coming out the same exact way. Yeah. So when you were mentioning the challenges that you go through as a parent, as well as probably the kid's perspective, oh, yeah. are very, very unique and different, you know, just to their own experience. So everything that you've done and, and you've learned to this point, yes, <laughs> we're summarizing this in a, you know, 30 to 45 minute conversation, but at the same time, that took many, many years for you to develop these perspectives. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, it goes in the face of what I'll call traditional parenting. I mean, traditional parenting is generally command, control, punish, reward, if then, you know, and it's what we know from our families of origin, right? It's not ill-intended, but it's not really science-backed or evidence-based. And the brain science shows incredibly clearly that, especially for kiddos who struggle, those things can be incredibly detrimental. I mean, there's a reason that they don't work is um, there's an assumption there that the kiddo would do better if they could. They're trying to get away with something, right? The behavior is out to get you. There's this big assumption there that's wrong. Um, mm -hmm. All kiddos, all people want to do well. And if they can't get there, something's in their way, right? No one really, I've yet to meet a person in my life and I've traveled around the world and stuff to meet someone that really, really intends poorly. And yes, we can talk about extremes. We can talk about the, you know, 0.1% of people mm -hmm. that might really be evil out there. But in general, what we're going to encounter is people want to do well. They want to be successful. They want to feel loved. They want to have a full life. Our kiddos do too. And they just don't know how to get there sometimes, mm -hmm. um, right? But if you come at them with, get over it or um, command control or present a punishment reward scheme that they know they'll never reach. Um, they're going to, they're going to react to that. Right. And usually that doesn't look like the behavior we want to see. 
And then we keep doing the behavior and um, that happens again. Mm -hmm. What would you say this experience has made you see differently? Like how did this help you as a, as a human being in your own operations? Yeah, it helped. Well, by the way, are you seeing my video? Okay. I had a weird thing. I'm not, but I can hear you. Okay. I'll keep talking and I will see if I can shift something here really quickly. Sorry about that. That's all good. Um, That might help. So, um, because that's one of the things I've realized, like throughout my own journey. There you are. Yeah. (laughs) I realized it's like, you know, I feel like there's a lesson behind every experience. Yeah. And I've been very curious, like, a how what are those lessons and at what point have you been able to implement them within your own life um a ton the the biggest lesson was and i was super skeptical about this at first but really meeting the kiddo where they're at and being empathetic and i'll explain that because that word can be overused Mm -hmm. um, has made all the difference and so by empathetic um my son for example would talk about i'd ask him about a school day and he talk about like Thor and dragons in the room and stuff mixed in with what you and I would experience in a school day and could say, you know, both experience that that happened. And for there's two reactions I could have to that. At first, when I wasn't well educated about this, my reaction would be, you know, I'd think, oh, my son's lying to me. I need to break that up. You know, he needs to tell the truth. Right. That's that's where I would go. I'm not proud of that. But that's I think where many parents go at first. And then I learned this approach. I'm like, oh, if we had a video camera <laughs> working, um, it would show that movie. That's what he really experienced. He's not lying. He's not making it up. He really experienced Thor and dragons and things in the room. And so getting empathetic with him and saying, boy, that must've been really scary to have that. Or what did that feel like? Or, you know, I could see why that'd be frustrating. Again, I'm not agreeing with him, but I'm validating. He had that experience. Mm -hmm. Um, He can let go of being stuck in fight, flight, or freeze. And, um, just by doing that, just by meeting him where he's at, literally builds skills. Because instead of the kiddo being in a panic trauma state, which is what they're in often when they're not heard or felt understood, he can relax and he can um, know he's connected to someone, that someone understands him. There's a lot of like, no one understands me going on or I'm all, all alone mm-hmm. that can be coupled with these sorts of things. So certainly that as a parent, like being empathetic, and letting go a little bit of the parental concern um, at first. That doesn't mean that they get away with everything, but doing that first has been huge. And, and it's, it's, it's a tiny, super tiny little thing, like less than five minutes a day. We can all do this, but really like stop, stopping where I would react, totally meeting where, he, where he's at, making sure he feels heard first, and then present Hey, I've got this concern. I want to know what's happening at school. Um, how can we figure that out? And then he solves it. Um, that simple pattern has has been just amazing. Um, and, and in that exact same case, um, my son one day hopped in the car after school, it's a few years back, and said, "Hey, Dad, I, I just want to tell you a big story, and then I'll tell you about my day. How's that?" Like he came up with a solution. <laughs> um, he had a big, gigantic, beautiful, wonderful story, dragons and Thor and all kinds of other things going on. It had a beginning and an end. It was, it was framed. And then he told me about his day. Wow. And it's, it's like, it sounds small, but it's miraculous because the expert's like, how did you do that? Like, kids always <laughs> do this, right? like, I didn't do it. My son did it. Right. But just being empathetic and in, instead of judging him or putting him on point, 
um, got him there. And uh, I think that's where the, the magic really is in this is, is the empathy. And the other part of that and remembering where your kiddo is at is remember what seven, nine, 11, whatever they age they are is like, how are you then? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't have our decades of coping skills then. Um, quote unquote, little things would freak us out back then. Mm -hmm. um, and their brains don't fully form till they're 25. So we can't treat kids like other adults in that way. Mm -hmm. right? We have to realize where they're at. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the biggest is empathy and meeting the kiddos where they're at. How do you draw that line between what he can and can't get away with? Um, yes, yeah, some of it just naturally happens through this process. And I know that sounds weird, but, um, and, and some of the norms he just knows based on behavior and he's going to model based on what I do more than what I say for sure. Um, but if, if my son were to act out about something, um, after the fact, so not right in the moment, in the heat of the moment, or, or I would acknowledge, Hey, in the heat of the moment, dude, this isn't okay. Let's, we're going to talk about it later, but just, this isn't okay. Just, just like that. And then later when we we're both calm, I would say, Hey, you know, um, that event, whatever it was, instead of talking about the behavior, talk about the event. So, you know, yesterday at the grocery store seemed pretty rough. What's up? And then get empathetic because probably for him, something set him off that I'm not even aware of. Right. Or, um, I have a, a client, I won't name names at all but for their protection, but they had a, a kiddo who had a sporting event that he used to love to go to and then stopped loving to go to. And they tried all kinds of things because um, they liked that sporting event as well. And then he said, you know, I, I used to get to bring my lunchbox and I really like bringing my lunchbox and having snacks with my friends. That was his blocking thing. It wasn't, he didn't want to do sports. It wasn't, he wanted, you know, to control his parents mm -hmm. or have a tantrum, which is what he was doing, but he just wanted to bring his lunchbox. And he brought his lunchbox and they've been doing that sporting event ever since, like no issues. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. So a lot of just that empathy gets the kiddo out of that fight, flight or freeze, which is where that behavior happens, right? They're in a panic state and that's what they're doing. And it just loosens that up quite a bit, but you're still a parent. You still hold the line. You still have expectations. Mm -hmm. um, and it's important to have those, right? We're, we're teaching our kids how to function in society, but it's also important to teach them how to solve their own problems and, and not be reliant on us for compliance, right? We want them to be super functioning humans um, in this world. Yeah. Yeah. The, the only reason why I asked that is because just the fact that it is a slightly different circumstance that sure. you were living in. And I was wondering, like, uh, what is that line between you choosing to look at a particular situation and, and not maybe take the same measures due to the fact, due to his own life experience? And the different yeah. things going, you know, like for example, like the panic attack at a grocery store, you would look at it through the way that you described. Now, any other parent, and I don't mean right. to generalize, but like I've seen this happen yeah. when when a kid acts out in the grocery store, it's a very different story. Oh yeah, very yeah, different set of actions. It's a bad kid and a spanking exactly. or worse. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. And so that's where I was curious. Is like as far as what, how do you? process that because that's got to be a conscious decision that you make every single time it is and it's it's interesting you bring that up because for let's let's call it a neurotypical kid that blew up in the grocery store it's mm -hmm. the same biology whether they're autistic <laughs> or not it's the exact same biology or ptsd or anxiety all those things are the same we're in a panic trauma state our brain thinks it's fight flight or freeze time right car coming at us bear in the room whatever that fight flight freeze is and it's taken over it's, it's only giving you three choices. And 
literally the electricity up here where reason and thought and logic are is off. It's like the power grid's off completely. Mm-hmm. It's not capable of coming on, but there's an apparent expectation or human expectation that somehow magically, you know, I can reason with this person who's struggling. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. So yeah, it's, um, it's a conscious choice for sure. Um, there's times in the past that I would get angry and upset, right? Because why is my kid misbehaving, you know, um, and knowing that that doesn't really help anything. Um, and, and, and also interrupting that parent energy of going to anger or going to upset, um, right. That doesn't help anything either in life. <laughs> if that's your yeah. go-to, yeah. um, generally that makes things a lot worse for everyone. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with the feedback that you receive from other people in regard to you as a parent, your kid? Yeah. I know that you and I briefly touched upon the whole topic of well-intentioned versus not well-educated. Yeah. Like, do, do you take that personally? And if, I mean, how did you, I'm assuming that in my, so I'll give you an example. One of the things that I know I personally have some tension with, and that is at funerals, mm. um, when the person comes up to me and I've never met the person, I don't know their name, anything about them. Yeah. And I'll say, I'm sorry. Yeah. And I, I've realized now that I have a hard time accepting that because a, I don't know the person B, they do not know anything about my relationship with them. And right. so then the question, I, I get left with a question rather than a sense of comfort. And that is, well, what are you sorry for? Right. Knowing your circumstances and experience, I bet that's something that you receive quite a bit as far as that, I guess, almost like pity, you know, maybe to a degree, but like, I'm yeah. curious from your lens, how do you process that? Yeah. It's interesting. You bring that up. So sometimes yes. And sometimes no. So because um, it's not always obvious if a kid is autistic or has ADHD, it doesn't show up till there's an event and there's a blow up. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's, it's like, we'll say in the, in the community, like the wheelchairs on the inside here, you can't see what the person's struggling with. It's not obvious. So some, in some ways that's a blessing because you don't get the pity party, but the other is, yeah. Um, I don't know that I have a brilliant coping mechanism for it. Um, when I'm in a, my, a positive mindset, I'll you know, either ignore it or, or try to share just a little bit with them. Cause they, I'm going to assume they're meaning well, right. It's, it's annoying and frustrating. But um, I'm just going to assume positive intent where I can. Not all days do I get there. <laughs> but, <laughs> right? right? But, if I, but if I can, I mean, they don't know what to say. It's awkward. You know, they, maybe they mean to help. Um, maybe they want to learn um, and don't know how to say it, right? It's what words do I say? Um, you know, it'd be similar for me maybe if, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a person of privilege. I'm a white male uh, with the George Floyd situation, those sorts of things. I don't know what to say. And I, I mean, well, right. I want to be supportive. I don't want this kind of stuff to happen again, but to my friends of color, what do I say? And, and to my friends of color, I just say, yo, I don't even know what to say. Um, how can I help? Right. And that, that's a way better way to approach it than to your point earlier about feeling sorry and saying sorry, but like, okay, what not does that really mean? mean it. Yeah. Like, uh, Hey, I, I, I'm not sure what to say. Can I help you? Would might be more useful than I'm sorry. Right. Um, do you think that's yeah. a conditioned behavior? having having to fulfill a space instead of just letting it be silent totally i i totally think so yeah it's um you know filling the air with words yeah (laughs) for sure i've been curious about that it's like how did that even come about because there's certain situations and trust me i do the same thing you know 
I've never played claimed nor will I claim that I'm a perfect human being by any means like there are situations where that awkward silence it's present and then I feel like I have to say something to fulfill that space when the reality of the matter is not saying anything can actually communicate the message 10 times better yeah with a set of words that really should not even be there to begin with right yeah, it's it's interesting too. And while, as you were saying that, I was also thinking. Um, so we have we have three ways we learn: visual, auditory, or kinesthetic. And that's generally how we express ourselves. Kinesthetic just means hands-on touching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it could be that person is super hyper auditory. <laughs> versus, to your point, you know, in those those poignant situations, sometimes a touch or just a look or just being there, you know, is the right thing, quote unquote, right thing, right? But yeah, I, I bet you it's conditioned. Um, it's, it's like, what do I do with this awkwardness? Right. Yeah. What do <laughs> I say I don't, next? How do I feel it? Yeah. And I don't, I don't see. So things have come so far, like maybe when my son was four five, six and, and there was, this was the behavior that's tough was more pronounced. Um, I would probably receive the, you know, the well-intended I feel for you better because I was exhausted. Right. Yeah. Um, but now that I'm not exhausted, I mean, I see, I see my son as, as like super brilliant and what he's doing and is the most massive heart. And a lot of these kiddos do, they have just a huge caring uh, vibe about who they are. That's super powerful. And, and it, I want to unlock as much of that as possible in this world. Cause you know, unchecked um, the same parenting patterns will happen. These kiddos might feel shamed or, or won't have the coping skills they could mm-hmm. to succeed versus like, there's some amazing, brilliant people that happen to be autistic or ADHD that can really change our world for the better. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't have the bindings that a neurotypical person does. And that's probably good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I would say to a degree, like I probably have elements, you know, of it because I love detail. Uh-huh. Um, the whole concept of staying clean, man, like I, if something's messy, I mean, I'm literally not going to take <laughs> the half hour yeah. to go clean yeah. it. For me, you'll very rarely see, at least at this point, putting the dishes in the sink and not cleaning it for a day. Like, I just don't do it. Like, it bothers me literally to the core of my being to where I know that I have to take action. Mm -hmm. So I just develop habits and patterns where I don't even think about that anymore. Right. As soon as I'm done eating, clean the dish immediately. Right. As soon as I do this, clean that space. Yeah. The whole thing is like having it be, you know, a certain pattern, like, so I, I think to a degree, and it, it kind of speaks to the point of this whole label to begin with, maybe yeah. that's just what it is, is this whole story. It's just, it's just a label. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, there is, I mean, I think the reason they call it a spectrum and again, I'm not a, a doc or a mental health pro, but um, there is something physical in the brain chemistry that is different. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is some more effort needed to build certain lagging skills and there's a pattern there. It's easy, relatively easy to find what those are and build them up. But I would agree with you. All of us have lagging skills. Every human being I've ever met has something that they struggle with and we build a coping pattern around it. So it doesn't take over our life where these kiddos were struggle, like unchecked, unhelped. They're not able to naturally create those coping patterns. Right. They're not naturally like, oh, I need to wash the dish and then I won't feel stuck and frustrated about dirty dishes, whatever that is. Right. They need a boost to get there. 
Um, and then they're fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the biggest thing that I think <laughs> it's probably true in all forms of, or many of the forms of parenting. Yeah. Just a different set of circumstances, different Absolutely. events. You know, every kid, like when I was growing up, I mean, I'm sure my parents, <laughs> there were situations where I created events for my parents where they looked at each other as like, what is going on here? But <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I think, I think that's true on many journeys. Um, oh, yeah. And many of the experiences that people go through. Totally. So I know that obviously you and I can have a very deep conversation about this for many, many hours upon this, but just out of respect for people who are tuning in and listening to the show, what would be some of the best ways that people can connect with you, learn more about your work? And then do you have anything that's coming up that people can be a part of? And I'll also include for anyone that's watching right now, a banner at the bottom that shows his website, email, Twitter, LinkedIn, and some of the other ways that you can connect with him. Yeah, thanks so much. Um, so yeah, my goal in, in 2021, what's going to happen is I'm going to serve a thousand families and it'll happen a variety of different ways, but that's my goal. I'm committed. I've decided it's already happened. So it's already happened. <laughs> and, and ways you can connect with me to, to make that happen for you is certainly go to the website, youfromhome.com and, and check us out. Um, I just opened up three other spots and uh, I've got limited time. There's just one of me right now. Um, and folks can find out how to apply to the program and see if they're interested. I have group coaching. I have one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have a digital program so you can learn this. So that's, that's all available. Um, certainly find me on Facebook and, and what have you. The big thing I would leave folks with is really try empathy and meeting your kiddo where it's at. And I was the biggest skeptic in the world of this program. I ended up getting certified in it by Harvard and everything else. And I'm on the board um, of that organization, but just that empathy and meeting them where they're at. You don't have to agree with them. You don't have to be sympathetic. It's just acknowledging where they're at is gonna be huge. Whether your kiddo's on the spectrum, ADHD, or just you're struggling with something. Um, now is this, is this program mainly for the parents? It is for the parents, although it, of course it benefits the kiddos. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really for the whole family, but yeah, what I do is teach the parents this modality and how to use it all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I teach them some things that aren't maybe common knowledge some different approaches. So everything in, in our programs are science backed and evidence-based. So it's got to have a double blind study before I use it. So no guesswork. And then I've tried it in my own family. So I, it's got to work for me, uh, personally, cause I can't represent it otherwise. I just right. I can't. Mm -hmm. And some of those things include things like, um, EFT tapping or nutrition or functional medicine, looking at your magnesium and copper levels. I mean, things that really work that aren't commonly taught. That's all in my program. In addition to this approach. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing your story and we'll make sure to include all the different ways that people can connect with you through all the social media and your website and learn more about your work. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, please consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we we'll look forward to having you next week.